And this week, Pastor Rick brings us his second message from the encouragement series, Grasshopper Mentality. Okay. Now, last week's message was supposedly an encouragement, uh, an encouragement sermon. You know, some people, uh, some people, and I started to ask you to raise your hand if you think it really was or not, because some people would think it wasn't. But you remember, I told you when we started that sermon last week, as I told you, you know, if, if your mind is in just getting the freebies, just the easy stuff, I don't have anything to preach to you today. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people want, uh, they just want a pastor to just preach to them the easy stuff. You know, just tell me that, you know, I'm doing the best I can all week long. You know, I'm slipping up, I'm falling down, I'm making these mistakes. I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm doing as, as much as I probably God all wants me to do. And everything's going to be okay in the end. It's all going to work out in the end. That's not what the Word of God says. Salvation is free, but do you want fries with that? Y'all remember that uh, sermon uh, back a couple years ago? (laughs) Y'all want fries with that? I mean, you know, it's kind of that thing. I mean, you know, there's some things that are free, but if you want more, if you want the blessings with that, if you want the, you know, if you want the the extra that comes with that, that takes a little something. That's not something you just get by just showing up on a Sunday morning. Uh, you know, I got a friend, he said his grandmother always told him 95% of life is just showing up. Well, a lot of that's true, you know, just, just showing up. Sometimes there's, there's, there's just places you got to be and things you got to do by just showing up, it works out. But if you want the blessings, if you want the dream, if you want the, uh, the great things that God wants to give you, there's a whole lot more to it than that. Now, this, this morning, uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you, ne- next week is just going to be flat. I, I just believe it's going to be just flat-out encouragement. That's all the sermon's going to be about. Uh, I don't want to tell you any more about it, but, I mean, I just want to pour into you as much encouragement as I can. But we had last week and this week, we got to get ourselves prepared for it. Because you don't, just get, you don't just get all this stuff just because God loves you, okay? Because God loves everybody. Somebody say amen. He loves everybody, Right? And he's not going to just pour out blessings on top of everybody. You know, he's not going to pour out blessings on top of everybody just because. He wants to see something. So this morning, I want to talk to you about grasshopper mentality. Now, we're going to go to the story of, of the Israelites. We're going to have a, a, a word of prayer in just a second. But I want to read some scripture just before we have a word of prayer. Uh, the Israelites, uh, they, they've, they've been delivered from Egypt. Do you remember the story of Moses leading them out of Egypt? And they're on their way to the promised land. And Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land. And, uh, and all of them don't come back with good report. That's the story I want to read to you this morning, just a little bit of it right here. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Okay, so they've gone into the promised land, right? The, the place that God is leading them to. And they told Moses and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. It's awesome. It's awesome. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And so if you've not ever read the scripture before, let me just tell you, the descendants of Anak, what that means is uh, giants are there. Anak was just a big guy. I mean, like, he, he, was, he just had a whole family of NBA you know, stars. I mean, that's, you know, everybody was, everybody was 6'10 and taller, you know, in his family. Everybody is a giant in his family. And then they said, the Amalekites, they dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea, Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. 
And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now, they just said this was a great land. This is a land that, that did have the promise of all that God said that they could have. But now they're saying, but it's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were, we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. And you know what? They were, they were standing just right on the edge. Are you listening? Right on the edge of every promise that God had for them. But it, it, right here on the edge, somebody got a grasshopper mentality and said, oh, we can't do that. We, we can't step off and believe God for this. We can't dream that big and have that much. My marriage can't be that good. My finances can't turn around that miraculously. My health is, is not going to get bad. They begin to get a grasshopper mentality, and the, the whole nation lost that chance. And only two guys saw it later, but they didn't for 40 years. The whole nation lost the chance of every promise, every idea, every plan, every thought, every dream God had for them because they had a grasshopper mentality, because they saw themselves as being unable. Even in the power and the strength of God, they saw themselves as being unable to have all that God wanted them to have. And so today I've come, I started, I started to title this sermon, Squashing Grasshoppers. Because that's why I've come this morning. I want to help you start squashing some grasshoppers in your life. Let's have a word of prayer and let's let God minister to us today. God, I love you and I thank you, God, for, uh, thank you for people that have walked before me, God, and mentored me and spoken to me, God, people that have squashed grasshoppers, Lord, all, God, at times they, uh, they felt like they were squashing me, Lord, but God, they were squashing grasshoppers, and, and uh, God, I just thank you for them, Lord, I, I can call that one's name, Lord, I could call, I could call that one's name, Lord, I could call that one's name, Lord, and you just, you, you just blessed me by putting those kind of people in my life, and God, here, now I stand before this congregation, God, that you've given to me to dream big with. And God, uh, I want you to use me in the same way you've used those people that have gone before me and God that have mentored me. I want, to use, I want you to use me today to, to help somebody else, God, begin squashing the grasshoppers in their life and getting, getting rid of this, uh, this uh, mentality and this, this thought process that makes us feel like we're uh, inferior and subservient to to all kinds of other things that would happen in this world. Lord, I pray, I pray today, please, God, let somebody, God, let somebody, please, get rid of a grasshopper mentality and start dreaming big again, having a passion, God, for the dream that you have for their life and for, for all that you've got to, to remember back and look back. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name. God, please help us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Listen, church, I could have prayed another, I could have prayed another half hour about this because there's so much on my heart. I just want to see you let go of this, of this small-mindedness that is keeping you from... I mean, you're, you're, there's so many of us, and I'm talking about Christians, so many Christians that we're just, we're just sitting and, and just accepting whatever the devil throws in our lap every day. Let me tell you something. I had a rough week. Anybody have a rough week besides the pastor? I had a rough week, you know? I didn't choose everything that happened to me this week, but it was a rough week. But you know what? 
I chose not to sit and take it. I fought against it. I battled against it this week. I'm not going to have a grasshopper mentality and allow my enemy to rob me of all the good stuff that God was to put in my life. I want the best that God has for my family. I want the best that God has for my, for my wife. I want the best that God has for my kids and, and for, my, for my son and daughter-in-law and for my grandkids. I want the best God has for my church. I mean, I've been praying over you this week. This, this message is... It's not about me. This message is about you. I want to see you put aside. And there's some of you, you know, I, I can just take about five minutes a piece, you know, just go around. And I, I can just point some of you out. And, and you need to know I'm talking to you this morning is that you're settling for less than God has for you. De- decisions that you're, you, you've made in the past few weeks, maybe. Decisions that you've made in the past few years, maybe. That you're just settling. You know, there used to be a passion. You know, 10 years ago, there was a passion. 20 years ago, there was a dream, and you're settling. And I, you need to quit settling. You need to start reaching for it because God didn't create you as a grasshopper. I mean, you know, tell, me, tell, me, tell me how you look like a grasshopper in God's sight. He didn't create you as a grasshopper. But he created you instead to be a giant killer. That's all I see in the Word of God. I see when God's people approach giants, they become giant killers. You need to step out of your grasshopper mentality and back into your giant killing mentality and start attacking the things that are coming against your family. I hope this is an encouraging word for somebody this morning because I want you to know that what you've been fighting and what you've been facing and everything that's coming against you, you don't have to bow to it. You don't have to be subservient to it. You don't have to see yourself as a grasshopper in its sight, but you can stand up with passion and fire and power and strength of God and and slay the giants that you've been fighting every single week and every single month of your life. You can do that. Now, I want to take you real quick before we get into some of the points. I want to get, I'll take you real quick into the New Testament. I want you to see the same thing happening in the New Testament because that's Old Testament. A lot of times people say, why, why use the New, Old Testament? I want, to, I want you to see that it's the New Testament, but, but I want to tell you why I use the Old Testament a lot. Because the New Testament is really, it's really the truth. It's what we, it's what we really live by. But the Old Testament, it just has all the stories that illustrate what the New Testament is all about. And like just this story right here, all the truths of the New Testament is right here in this story that we just read. Okay. And so, but let me just go ahead into the New Testament and just show you a grasshopper mentality here. And this is, uh, John 6, 26. And, even though it looks like, you know, John 6, okay, that's not very far into the life of Christ. No, John spends a whole lot of time on the very last weeks of Christ's life, okay? So we get, we get kind of into the, into the last weeks real early. And so this is, this is on down into his ministry a good bit. And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him. Okay, so he's chastising them a little bit. He's saying, you just, you just come in for the free stuff. Okay, that's what he's saying. You just came because of the loaves and fish, and now you're coming back because you think there's something else free today. He said, hey, hey, don't, don't go after the free stuff. He says, I am the bread of life. Come after me is what he's saying. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Come after me. Chase after me. And then the Jews, they began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Okay, so now I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, the grasshopper mentality began to rise up in them. 
They could not accept him saying, I am the bread of life. You know why? It wasn't really because he said that. It was because they didn't want to be challenged to anything bigger than they had been doing already. And they said, is this not just, this is just Jesus. This is just the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he says, I've come down, look at this, how I've come down forever. Look at the beginning of this. Is not this Jesus? See, that's what grasshopper mentality will do to you. Grasshopper mentality will point at you and say, wait a minute, I know who you are. You're no Billy Graham. You're no David Wilkerson. You know, you're no uh, Simon Peter or Apostle Paul. You know, you're, you're, ju- you're just Cliff, you know. You're just Zach. You know, you're just Michael. You, you know, you're just Tim. You, you're nobody. That's what grasshopper mentality wants to tell you is that you are a nobody. Look, look at it right here. This is what they're saying. They're saying this about Jesus. Who is this? He's just Jesus. He's just the carpenter's son. He grew up around our kids. You know, he, he did the same things our kids did. There's nothing special about him. That's grasshopper mentality. Let's go on now, Mike. Then the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Okay, so now the grasshopper mentality really begin to take hold because now they're, they're, they're not being able to see this. They're not, they're not looking in the spirit realm anymore. And that's what grasshopper mentality will do to you. It'll get you so focused on the physical facts that you can't see the spiritual dreams that God has for you. You'll be, you'll be looking so much at the, at the little uh, nuts and bolts of all the junk going on in your life all week long that you can't believe and dream anymore that God's got something big. And say, so how, how's this guy going to give us his flesh to eat? You see, they were looking in the physical. They couldn't look in the spiritual anymore because they had allowed a grasshopper mentality to take hold. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? And you know what? It says they began to go back after this. They began, you remember that scripture where Jesus t- turns to the, the apostles, the disciples, and he says, are you going to leave me also? And Simon Peter says, leave you? Where else would we find, you know, what we're looking for? Because you've got the word of truth, the word of life. It's right here. This, this is the story right here because you know why he asked that question? Because everybody leaves him except his 12. They all walk away. And you know why they walk away? When there were too many grasshoppers surrounding them. When too many grasshoppers began talking. So let me, let me ask you this. You know, if you've got a grasshopper mentality and you don't plan to change it, can I ask you to just go ahead and go to sleep right now? You know, just go ahead. We, you know, we don't need you. We don't need you thinking. We don't need you talking. We don't need you. We don't even need your mindset in here right now. Okay? We're going to pray for you. You know, we're going to pray for you later and everything. But listen, if you've got a grasshopper mentality, what I'm saying is, keep it to yourself. A grasshopper mentality will spread. It'll get into somebody else. That's what happened to this whole crowd. This whole crowd ended up leaving. All these, all these people that have been following Jesus had seen these mighty miracles. They allowed. They allowed their faith to be stolen away from them because of grasshopper mentality. So let me also tell you this. If you've got a grasshopper mentality, you probably didn't have it when you first came to know Jesus. You probably were so excited. Come on, think about it. What happened? You know, people get saved, and what happens when you get saved? Man, you're on fire, you're excited and all that. But what begins happening? Well, you know what begins happening is those of us who've been Christians for 10 or 20 years, we start saying, oh, it'll wear off. Grasshopper mentality. They won't be that passionate about God Five years from now, grasshopper mentality. And we begin speaking it into them. And then, you know, and pastor tries to stir it up. We get it stirred up for a little while. Say, well, that was nice for a Sunday. But, you know, we'll just be back to normal church next Sunday. 
You know, I'm tired of normal church because normal church is letting people die and go to hell. I'm tired of normal church because normal church says that when people get the age of Zach, they leave. And if they come back, they come back after they've, you know, after they've gotten married and have had kids and they've messed up their life so badly that now they come back to church and say, please help me fix this mess that I'm in the middle of. But most of them don't come back. We're losing ground. You see, that's why I'm sick and tired of normal church. I don't plan to have normal church today. I don't plan to have normal church next Sunday. And if the Lord tarries, I don't plan to have normal church ever again. I expect every time we come together, I expect you to be challenged by the Spirit of God. And I expect somebody to answer and say, yes, I want God to give me the big dream. I expect people to be passionate again about what God wants to do in their life. I expect people to start dreaming again. That you don't have to accept what the world says out there about 50% of marriages. They're not my marriage. That's going to be, you know, I'm not going to be in that. I'm going to be in the other 50%. You get to make the choice. Those others, they, they have the grasshopper. But I get to make the choice about what it's going to be in my life. And, you know, and, I, and the devil, he might, he might kill me. He might destroy this body. God may give him permission to do that. But I'm going to go down fighting. I'm going to go down swinging. That my, that my marriage, that my kids, uh, that my life, that my ministry, I'm going to protect it with everything that I've got. I no longer want normal church in my life. Would somebody help me and say amen? Amen. I don't want that anymore. So if you do, if you do, you want to slip out and just you can come back in for the closing prayer. Let me tell you what grasshopper mentality will do to you. It will chew away at your mind. It will, it will chew away at your mind, and every single day it will remind you of all your failures and, and your past and everything that you've done that's been wrong. Anybody ever done anything wrong in their past? Nobody? One, two, three, four? Okay, y'all a lot better than me. I got my, I got my hand up first. We've all done wrong things, right? But the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away our sin and forgives us, it also justifies us. And I love that, love that definition that, you know, that, that, you know, from the, from the little kindergarten class, you know, in Sunday school, it means just if I'd never sinned. That's what it means. That means, you know, you and the devil are the only one remembering that stuff. So what are you still thinking about it for? You know, what are you still thinking? Of? What are you still dealing with it every single day and you're letting it just weigh on your mind over and over? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because he's saying today, you don't have to think about that, but grasshopper mentality eats away at your mind and reminds you like Moses. You remember what Moses, Moses had to keep remembering. It's like he just kept remembering, I, I can't be anybody. That's why he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert watching somebody else's sheep because he had killed a man in anger. Killed a man that probably needed to be punished. I don't know that he needed to be killed, but he needed to be punished. But he ended up in his anger killing a man. And so he spent 40 years on the backside of the wilderness watching somebody else. He wasn't even watching his own sheep. Watching somebody else's sheep because he could not. This grasshopper mentality could not let him go. And when God begins to call him to go back to Egypt and get his people out, what does he do? He starts making all these excuses. Why? He can't get it out of his mind. I've made too many mistakes. I've failed too many times. Nobody's going to pay attention to me there. Nobody's going to believe that I've heard from God. They're going to, they're going to point at me and say, you're just Moses. You're Moses that, that killed the guy. You're Moses that got us in trouble about that when you ran out of town. But, you know, we were punished because of that. And he could not let this get away. Think about the children of Israel, how long they had lived. They had lived generation after generation after generation after generation with a grasshopper mentality. 
That's what they had lived in in Egypt. And they finally got to the place that they, you know, they were crying out to God, oh, God, help us, oh, God, help us, oh, God, help us. But they weren't believing God to help them. They weren't believing God to help them. They were just crying out. And how many church people, we come to church every Sunday, we got all of our problems, and we want to sit here and wring our hands and say, oh, we need God, oh, we need God. But we're not believing God to do anything about it. And you know why? Because we grew up in a generation, and we were raised by a generation, who was raised by a generation, who was raised by a generation, to not believe God for any more. Just normal Christianity. Just normal church. We're going to come today, and we're going to walk out the door with the same problem that we had. That's... that's did anybody, did any, don't raise your hand, did anybody show up today believing that you're going to walk out of here differently than you came in? If you didn't, then you were eating up with grasshopper mentality today. And it's your past that's doing it to you. It's because somebody, it's because your family has raised you that way. I mean, I mean you know, it, it's time for somebody to break the cycle. If you've got an addiction in your family, it's time for somebody to break the cycle. Grasshopper mentality says you're going to be a drunk because your dad was a drunk and your granddad was a drunk. You know, you're going to be poor all your life, and you're going to be, you know, bouncing around and losing jobs, and you're going to be uh, trying to do your best because that's, that's all you've ever known. You're going to be a pitiful farmer because your dad and your, your, his dad and, and their, their dads were all pitiful farmers. You're never going to have anything because nobody in your family's ever had anything. Well, somebody needs to break the cycle and say, I'm tired of grasshopper mentality and learn how to start squishing, squishing some grasshoppers in your life. If you don't, it's going to dog you every single day. It's going to, in the morning, it's going to wake you up and it's going to remind you that you're nobody. You're just Wayne. You're just Leon. You're just Bradley. You're nobody today. That's what it's going to tell you. Grasshopper mentality will chew away at your heart because it doesn't, all, all, it doesn't just remind you of your past. It wants you to forget about your future. It wants you to forget that you have a dream. It wants you to forget that there's a promise out there in front of you that God wants you to have. It wants you to forget how beautiful, how awesome that promise can be. You know, you get in a bad marriage, and you know what the solution is, don't you? A divorce, right? I mean, that, that's the world's solution. I mean, that's the only solution we can think of. You get in a bad marriage, it's the only solution you can think of. But not in God's kingdom. Because the promise is still out there. The gifts and the callings of God are still out there. Well, that's not talking about my marriage. Says who? Listen, think about it. What does that mean? The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance? What does that mean? If my marriage is not what it's supposed to be, then you know what? I'm not going to be the dad that I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to be the mom I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to be the spouse that I'm supposed to be, that God has called me to be if I'm in a bad marriage. The gifts and the callings of God, though, are without repentance. The gifts that I have, you know, that a bad marriage will lead away my gifts, and my only hope is to just get out of the marriage. No, God, God can change all that around. I, I don't care. You know, it's, you know, most of you that are married are sitting beside the person that you're married to. Some of, some of you aren't. But most of you are, you know, and, and you might say, you might be thinking right now is a good time, you know, to, to nudge them a little bit, say, you know, you need to help me a little bit here. You know, I might be thinking about that, but no matter how bad some things may be, even in your marriage, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And he's called you to be a great spouse. He's called you to be a great parent. He's called you one day, if not yet, to be a great grandparent. He's gifted you for that. 
And God's way is to see that dream, and no matter how bad it looks, don't, don't, don't get a grasshopper mentality and hire a lawyer and start divorce proceedings this week. Get on your knees and say, God, you've got you to renew the dream, renew the promise, and start squashing some grasshoppers in your life. You know, the, Moses, he, he was forgetting about the dream. See, God had given him a dream, just like he'd given all the children of Israel. But you know what they found out? They found out the grasshopper mentality will dump you in the wilderness. That's what it'll do. A grasshopper mentality, you know, because what you'll do is you'll come to church and you'll think, I think I'm going to get on board. I'm going I'm to believe God for a great dream. But because of your grasshopper mentality, you'll go just a few steps and then you'll start falling away from it. And what, what grasshopper mentality do, well, it will dump you in the wilderness. It will get you far enough to get you out of your comfort zone, and then you'll say, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It'll get you far enough out of Egypt that you can't really retreat to Egypt. You can't retreat to your comfort zone, and then it'll take hold, and, you'll, and it'll dump you right where you are and destroy you right there. That's what grasshopper mentality will do. They could not achieve their dream anymore. You know how far they got in their walk toward the promised land? They got to the same place Moses got when he was watching sheep for 40. Look, the same place. According to the word and according to, according to the understanding of the word, they got to the same place where, where God spoke to Moses, the burning bush. He went back and got them and said, let's go to the promised land. And they go running out. They go through the Red Sea, and, and God destroys the, the, the Egyptian armies in the Red Sea. And what do they end up doing? They end up getting at the, getting at the same mount and stopping and just wandering around in circles for the next 40 years. They didn't get any farther than Moses got 40 years earlier. For 40 years, he spent that time there, and now 40 more years, he's going to spend that time there. And they didn't get any further, but there was one guy that did. Actually, there were two, Joshua and Caleb, but today's sermon really is about Caleb. Because Caleb is really the guy. I mean, Joshua did it, but Caleb really did it. Caleb, first of all, let me tell you this. First of all, Caleb had already gotten farther than anybody else. He had been in the promised land. When the rest of them were saying, oh, no, oh, no, you know, they're ready to run back to Egypt screaming. Caleb had already been there. He had already seen it with his eyes. He already had the picture. He had, he had already tasted of the grapes, the big, huge grapes that were there. He had, smelled, he had smelled the smells of all the food that was there. I mean, he had seen it with his eyes. He had already gotten farther than any of the rest of them had. And you know why? I know there were 10 others that went with them, uh, Joshua and Caleb, but those 10 others, they didn't really see it. What they saw was scared them to death, you know? I mean, it's like you, know, it's like you go outside with your kids. You know, you got a 10-year-old son and a 9-year-old daughter. You go outside and you see a spider, and the 10-year-old's like, like, oh, awesome, amazing. And the 9-year-old is like, ooh, yeah, whatever. Same thing. Think about it. The, the, the spies, you got two that are there, and they're taking it all in. This is awesome. This is amazing. Biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. And you got ten say, oh, no, we can't do this. They never really saw it. You see, Caleb had already gone farther into the promise than anybody else had. And the Word of God says it was because he had a different spirit about him. That's what the Word says about it. And I'm going to tell you this. Let me, let me give you this little truth, little truism. Oh, man, I got so much left to preach here. Let me give you this little truism right here. You cannot go against the flow by accident. 
You don't, you don't just wander through life and go against the flow. If you're just wandering through life, if you're not fighting a battle every single day that you wake up, you are going to get caught up in the flow. And, and you know, in, in the secular world out there, in your daily life, that could be getting caught up in sin. That could be getting caught up in, in uh, doing all kinds of vile and evil things, unrighteousness and unholiness. If you, don't, if you don't get up fighting every single day, you can get caught up in that. But even right here in the church, because there's grasshopper mentality in the church. And if you don't wake up every morning fighting to have the passion and to have the desire to see the dream happen in my life, you're going to go with the flow. And the flow is not going to take you to the promise. The flow is going to dump you in the wilderness where you're going to die. Because grasshopper mentality will also chew at your soul. It is lethal. It is fatal. It will destroy you. It'll kill every good thing about you. I mentioned marriage a few times. It'll kill your marriage. Grasshopper mentality will. It'll kill your finances. It'll kill your future. I mean, we, you know, today's graduate recognition, we're recognizing one this service from another in the second service. You know, Grasshopper mentality will destroy every bit of promise you've got, Zach. We've got young people here, some still in high school, some out of high school. Grasshopper mentality will destroy everything that you've got, every promise that you've got, every dream that God has for you, everything that he's been dreaming and thinking. Grasshopper mentality in your spirit will destroy even what God wants to do in your life. It did for them. I had somebody tell me one time, and I know they were using this as an excuse to not be in unison. They, they, they said, you know, nowhere in the Bible do you find 100% agree about anything. And they, they were using that as an excuse that I don't have to agree with you. Well, first of all, my mind immediately goes to Acts chapter 2. And it says, the very beginning of that chapter, that they were all in one mind and in one accord. Sounds like 100% to me. <laughs> but here, this story this grasshopper mentality story that I'm telling you today is another time that we see 100%. So wait, 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 wait a minute. What, Caleb and Joshua, well, I mean it this way, that 100% of those who had grasshopper mentality died in the wilderness. They lived another 40 years, some of them. Some died earlier than that. But they lived, some of them, for another 35, 40 years, but they lived under a death sentence. They were gonna die in that wilderness, 100%. You hear me? It's fatal, it's lethal. If you don't start squashing the grasshopper mentality in your life, it's gonna kill you. It's gonna destroy you. You're gonna become, first of all, one of those average, normal Christians. But then you know what you're gonna become? You're gonna become what we pastors call church problems. Because you're gonna be bitter about not ever getting your dream. You're going to get jealous because somebody else got theirs. And the grasshopper mentality that has been keeping you from realizing your dream is going to start destroying you, and you're going to begin lashing out and destroying others around you. Squash the grasshopper mentality. i got to skip that next slide, Mike, with all the names. Just don't have time for that. I want to tell you one last, one last point about Caleb. When Caleb went in to spy out the land, he was, in, 
He was in his early 40s, about 40 years old. <clears throat> he comes to Joshua, who has now taken over Moses' spot. They get to the promised land. They spend about four or five years fighting battles and starting to win back the promised land that God gave to Abraham, their great-great-great-great-grandfather. And they spend about four or five years fighting the battles, and so finally then Caleb says, okay, we pretty much got most of this whip now. They're spending all this time. They spent 40 years uh, killing and squashing the grasshoppers that were inside of them, and now they spent another four or five years, you know, squashing the rest of all the stuff that's standing in their way. And so Caleb comes to Joshua, and he says, I'm 85 years old. Time for me to sign up for my Social Security. You got somebody else that can see to my grass this week because I'm too old to do it. You got somebody else that can feed me? You got a Meals on Wheels that can show up at my house? That's not what he said. You know what Caleb said? He said, I'm 85 years old. But you remember what God said through Moses the day that I wholly followed God with my whole heart. Everybody else here had a grasshopper mentality, but me and you, Joshua. And you remember what Moses promised me. Moses said, because you have wholly followed God and you've got this dream in your heart that you won't let die, the ground that you have walked on today in that promised land is going to be yours. And he said, I'm 85 years old today, but I am just as strong today as I was that day. And then he says in this verse right here, now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. He said, I'm, I'm 85, but God told me that mountain I walked around on in the promised land is going to be mine because I've got this different spirit about me. And he says, I'm just as strong today at 85 as I hope. I hope I could say that. Can you, do you hope you could say that? Uh, Cliff, I think me and you are trying to prove that to ourselves a little bit. You know, we're going to be as strong at 85. Here's, but he said, I am just as strong today at 85 as I was at 40. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. And read the rest. It says, it says uh, you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. Who are the Anakim? They're, they're the descendants of the giants. You heard how Shaquille O'Neal and his whole family's there, right? I mean, this is who basically lives on the mountain. Uh, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out. Here's what he's saying. He says, I am 85 years old, but I'm still as strong today. Give me my mountain. And I know there are giants there, but by the help of God, I know I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant killer. And let me go prove it on my mountain. Can I tell you one last thing about that mountain? Verse 15, I think it was, wasn't it? It says, in the name of Hebron, that's the name of the mountain. That's what they call it, right? And that's everything we know. But the name of, the, the name of Hebron, that mountain, formerly was called Kerjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Kerjath Arba means city of Arba. It was named after the greatest man among all the giants. But we don't know it by that name. We call it Hebron. Anybody that's read scripture very much or been in church very much has heard of Hebron. We know this, we know this name. And you know why we know this name as Hebron and it's not Kerjath Arba? It's because Caleb renamed his mountain. He took ownership of his mountain. He, he, he inherited his mountain. But he didn't get it by just showing up on a Sunday morning and say, what have you got for me today, God? He got it by raising up and saying, I am not a grasshopper. I'm a giant killer. Now give me my mountain, and the power of God is going to help me take my mountain. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. Stand with me. I want to ask everybody, would you, everybody just come on to the front, please, if you will. Come to the front, if you will. And I normally ask you to press in. I want to ask you to back up a little bit today. I want you to give me some room right here. You know, come on in, though. I'm sorry. I mean, come on into the prayer area. I just want you to give me a little room right here. I don't want to run anybody off. I think I scared some of you. 
Because here's what, you know, here's what's going to happen for some of you. I, I, have, I have preached hard and with passion about this this morning. And for some of you, this is going to be anticlimactic. It's going to be like, whew, pastor really preached hard. Okay, okay, amen, let's go. That's it. If that's all you need today, then okay. You probably didn't need the sermon in the first place then. Some of you have real needs. Some of you fighting real battles. Some of you, you got, you got marriages in trouble, and not just yours, but maybe your kids. You got health problems, financial problems. You got decisions you got to make about your future, where you're going to school, and all of these kinds of things. Need a job or need a better job because the one you got's not paying the bills. Need a different boss maybe. Need something. I mean, some of you got some real problems in your life. But if this is enough, all you need is a, pa- is a pastor to get a little passionate to help you through the week. And you can just say a little five and dime prayer, and that's all you need to get through. Okay, just go home with your grasshopper mentality. Some of you I know have some real needs today. I want to ask you, I've got you this far, but I want to ask you, if you've got a real need, I need God to dream and fulfill his biggest dreams in my life. Then I want you to step forward just a little bit closer. Come on. Step forward just a little bit closer. Praise God. Oh, I got some dreams. I got some dreams, and the devil's fighting them. He's been fighting them this week. Oh, man, I, it's, it, seemed, it seemed like just about every day this week, I had, a, I had a different giant standing in my face. Just about every day this week. It's like, you know, what one? I wish it had just been one, you know? I'd have called a bunch of you, and we'd have fought one. But, man, it's been every single day. I got some dreams, though. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to fight as well. I want you to, to, there's no way. I don't have enough prayer team members right here right now. I want you to take somebody by the hand. Prayer team members, if you want to move around, please do so. But we're going to have to have some help. So everybody's a prayer team member right now. Take somebody by the hand. I want you to, I want you to pray with somebody right now. I don't know what their need is. You might not know what their need is, but God knows what their need is. They need some power of God. They need, they need a Caleb spirit. Get rid of that grasshopper mentality. They need a Caleb spirit today to deliver them. Squash some grasshoppers. Go ahead, Jamie. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. I don't want a little five and dime prayer. I got to have some victory today. I got to have, I got to have some victory this week. I got to have some power to get on my mountain this week and to fight over and to see, I got to see some enemy strongholds come down in my kids' lives. I got to see some enemy strongholds come down in my finances.